You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Now we're going back to our uh, series called Truth Be Told. Um, in fact, uh, this is an eight-week series. Now we are like half of it. It's like half time. Okay? And we all know that the Truth Be Told series is a series on parables, right? Uh, so if you remember it right, let me just refresh you. What is a parable? A parable really is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. When you take the word parable, it literally means um, cast alongside something else. In this case, you know, Jesus' parables were stories that were cast alongside a certain truth so that it can illustrate or give support to that truth. Amen? So you, you can understand parables, right? It's not exactly the story, but it helps a certain truth. So remember that, okay? In week one, we've studied actually the parable of the sower. And most of you, you know, most, most of you heard that. And week two, we have the parable of the mustard seed. Okay? How many of you were here? Yeah. All right. Week three, we talked about the parable of the prodigal son, which was last week. And today, we'll talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I'd like everybody to stand up, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And then the next verse, verse 27 says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29 says, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32 says, So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had come passion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. In verse 35, it says that the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, our desire, our heart's desires that we will understand the, really this parable, understand the truth behind it. Lord, thank you, God, that you're opening our hearts and our minds. And Holy Spirit, be the one, Lord God, to speak to us. Thank you. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what comes to your mind when you hear 
Good Samaritan. I'm just, I'm just curious. What comes to your mind when you hear Good Samaritan? Okay. Nothing comes to mind. All right. I'll help you. I'll Google it. Okay. So I did actually. I actually Googled, you know, Good Samaritan. And I, and I stumbled into a few things. And actually, there are five items that I, I, I wanted to share. So I went to see what Good Samaritan, you know, if you Google it. And this is what came out. Okay. Uh, well, number one, it's a ho- hospital. Good Samaritan Hospital okay, in the U.S. They have Good Samaritan Medical Care. And then you have Good Samaritan Health Systems, Good Samaritan Health Services, and guess what? Good Samaritan Society Careers. You get a career, a profession, being a Good Samaritan. You know, that's, that's the Good Samaritan we know today, okay? It's, it's a name. But is this what Jesus really envisioned this parable to be? Is this exactly what He was planning? Was this His purpose to having this parable told in this scripture. Okay? That, that's, is, is this the purpose of, of this parable? That's a question we need to answer today. Now, if you look at the definition of a good Samaritan, we do have a definition of that nowadays. And you can find it in uh, dictionary.com. Okay? So you go look it up, but it's here. It says, A good Samaritan is a person who, gratuitously or without good reason gives help or sympathy to those in distress. Okay, so, kind of like, you know, lalang, um, you know, he just wants to help. That's how it was. And this reminds me basically of a, of a friend of mine. Okay, he's my best friend in high school, college. We're still best friends. And, um, you know, we, we've shared a lot. We've, we've been together for quite some time. And when we graduated, he actually worked for us. For, my fam- for our family's business, and he was one of our salesperson. And at one, at, one point, at one point in his traveling, he actually saw a man lying by the road, kind of like, you know, similar to, our, you know, to what we've read. But he saw this man lying on, on the road and was bleeding, and he actually took him, put him in her van, and then brought him to the hospital. Now, he's not a Christian, but he did it. And to me, he was like a hero. You know, it's like a, you know, I, say, I told him, bro, you're a good Samaritan. That to me was like, you know, so I could not forget that because I probably would not stop. You know what I'm saying? I'd probably be afraid. But no, he did. He did stop. My best friend's name is Jerome. Conversely today, okay, good Samaritans are getting harder to find. You know? How I many of you know that? Last October 14, okay, if you've been uh, reading the newspaper, if you've been uh, watching television, we know of a third-year architect student by the name of Nick Russell. He's from Adamson University. He's an architect student. He was mugged and he was stabbed 18 times. Were you aware of this? How many of you know this? Okay. It was in ABS-CBN News. The whole incident was caught on CCTV. Most of us saw what happened, you know, how he was asking for help after being mugged and stabbed. And we all know there was a, a van, I think, and a, a jeepney that came in. In fact, there were even a man behind, behind that van that saw everything, saw that it was done. I mean, the, the criminals left, but nobody, nobody helped him. 
Do you know what was posted in that, in that page, in that news page? It was this. I hope you can read it. It says, there are no good Samaritan. No good Samaritan. That's what it says. But the family is most disturbed by the lack of concern displayed by bystanders and motorists who witnessed the crime. The father, Renato, said he cannot accept the fact that some people only watched while his son was being attacked. You know, even the vehicle that was being hailed did not stop. And no one cared. In other words, there was no good Samaritan. You know, what's quite disturbing, actually, it's not surprising, it's not, it's not even shocking, but disturbing, okay? Why? Because the Philippines, being known as a Christian nation, us, I find it hard to believe that nobody helped this, this student. I, it's, it's really unthinkable. The whole country watched this in ABS-CBN and they have witnessed an act that was unthinkable. Not the crime, okay? I mean, I'm not just referring to the crime, okay? Those, those uh, two, peop- two persons that stabbed him, grabbed his bag. You've seen this, right? And it, I'm not even referring to that. What I'm referring to is that the people who just passed him by, two cars passed him by, and didn't even lift a finger to help him. Now, that is unthinkable for me. You know what it is? It's this. It's called unchristian. Why? Why is it called unchristian? You know, many people will say that's unchristian like. You all remember this? Unchristian like. Why? Because Christians all over the world have always been doing acts of kindness, doing acts of charity, helping other people. If 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 you look at the history of the many institutions we have today, like the hospitals, do you realize that the hospitals, they were started by Christians? Our, our universities, the things that, you know, we, how many of you go to school? I mean, how, how many of you have gone to school? Everybody, right? Schools, if you look at the history, Christians established schools. Hospitals. And you know what? You'll be shocked, okay? Business, business was established by Christians to help the community. Can you imagine the impact that Christianity is doing in the whole world? There is a book, there is a book, I don't know if, you, if you've read this, but it says, what if Jesus was not born? Then Christianity will not be here, right? As we speak. But throughout the course of human history, Christianity has changed this world. Amen. Praise God. God. There's no slavery today because of Christianity. And the thing is, it is a a shocker for us as a nation to see this happen. Where are the Good Samaritans? Are they really few? You see, being a Christian, this is part of who we are. We help people. Amen. We help people. That's what we do. It's part of us. It's our nature. You know, there is a principle of what we call belief and behavior. Okay? And it simply states this. How we behave is determined by what we believe. Let me repeat that. How we behave 
is determined but by what we believe. So if you believe that you are a good person, then you, you will behave like a good person, right? Yes. Right? Are you still here? Parang galit kayo sa akin Okay. Alright. And vice versa. If you think that, if you believe that you were a bad person, then you'll behave like a bad person. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you behave like Jesus. In other words, if we call ourselves Christians, then we ought to be like Christ. See, the context of Luke chapter 10 really illustrates who we are as Christian believers. The whole chapter. I'm not just talking about the parable that we've just read. But the whole chapter 10 illustrates who we are as Christian believers. If you look at chapter 10, the first few verses there talks about Jesus sending out 72 of His disciples. What was that all about? It was about us, believers, Christian believers representing Jesus and preaching the gospel. That's who we are. That's who we are as Christians. That's what we believe. Secondly, in this, in this chapter, we're talking about being a neighbor, which we've just read. And thirdly, at the end of chapter 10, we're going to look at also, you're going to see that Martha, it's a story of Martha and Mary. It's about worship. Having to sit down at the foot of Christ, foot of our Lord, and just enjoying His presence. But at the heart of this parable, the Good Samaritan, it answers just one simple question. And the question is this, what do we do as Christians? How many Christians do we have today? Oh boy. Some of you are, mo- are not non-Christians. Come on, how many of you are Christians today? Come on, lift it up. How many of you are afraid you are Christians? <laughs> Praise God. We are all Christians. Amen. But the question remains is this. What do we really do as Christians? What on earth do we do as Christians? Is it enough for us Christians to stay here and enjoy worship? Is it enough for us just to read our Bibles and attend our small groups, our victory groups, our Bible study groups? Is it enough for us just to go on a 10 days mission or be a missionary? Is this what Christianity is all about? You know, a week ago we had a chance to meet Dr. Mark Belials, one that impacted the the South Africa. You don't know, it's not just Nelson Mandela, but this guy, Dr. Dr. Mark, he actually acted this Christianity. And there was a change. He said that, you know, if, if, um, if the Great Commission go out and make disciples, as we're always saying, if that's the thing we're going to do, that's only half of the Great Commission. He was saying, hey, you're, you're, you love God, you're worshiping God, you're born again, and that's great. But it does not have to stop there. He says that's only half of the commission. In other words, they have to, they have to feel the gospel. We have to know the gospel. The people has to, I mean, the gospel has to impact the lives of people. And that's what we do. We don't only preach the gospel. We don't only go there and, you know, get someone born again. No, you help them. You actually touch them. And that's what he was saying. And he played an important part in that in South Africa during the apartheid. 
In fact, he showed us a picture of that, you know, that fateful moment when the, pre the president actually handed over, opened South Africa for Africans, black Africans to really vote. It's really an amazing sight. It's an honor to see this man. How about us? How about us? Now, the main, the main theme really of the Bible, one of the main themes of the Bible is that we, say we. We, we as believers should love our neighbor. This is part of the Old Testament. It's part of the Mosaic Law. And it was also mentioned many times in the New Testament, in Matthew, in Romans, Galatians, and James. However, this text that we're reading today is the best information of Christian relationship with neighbors. If there's any, any passage in the Bible today about how or what do we do as Christians, it is this, 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 actually this verse, this text, the parable of the Good Samaritan. What do we do as Christians? Let's look at the verse. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we all know the story. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to, to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the lawyer here is not that, that ordinary, it's not the authority of law, okay? He's not a defense lawyer. This lawyer is actually a, a religious leader who is an expert of the law. And his motive was not just to learn from, from Jesus or the teacher. No, his motive says there, he stood up to him to put him to the test. Why is that? Why did he put Jesus to the test? Well, because if you know Jesus, Jesus was, was identified with many sinners, right? And it was against the culture, against the law, to have a teacher of the law, like Jesus, be identified with sinners. So he wanted to set a trap for Jesus. And this is, what was he, uh, this is what he was doing. He asked this question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And if you think about it, this question really is a trap for him. He was trying to trap Jesus, but it is really a trap for him. Why? Because understand that you cannot do anything to inherit something, right? Think about it. There's nothing that you can do to inherit anything. All you need to do is be who you are. Meaning, you got to have a relationship from the one who is giving you the inheritance, right? right. Yeah. And the thing is, he's asking a stupid question. It's a foolish question. What do I do to inherit eternal life? It's not understand what he was saying. So this was his question. Really, it's about this relationship with the one giving the inheritance. Amen. So the lawyer was asking from a wrong heart, a wrong perspective. And guess what? Jesus answered. The answer we know today really is about eternity, right? When we talk about eternal life, it can only come from who? Jesus. Jesus. We all know today. But he didn't know, he didn't know way back then. But Jesus answers him by asking another question. You know, there's a, there's a lyric to a song, if I could remember, question me and answer and I will answer you with a question. Well, something like that. Kind of like what Jesus did. Question, I'll answer you with a question. It's kind of it's it's smart and brilliant. You know, you don't really answer the question, but you question the answer or answer the question, whichever case may be. 
Or are you confused? I am. Alright. Okay, next verse. <laughs> he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And Jesus answers him with this question. Now, there can only, there can only be two things that can happen when, with regards to this question. Either the, the, the lawyer will read and recite the whole body of the Mosaic law, which is over 600 plus laws. Okay? In fact, it will take him the whole week just to read it and recite it. The whole week to recite this. Or, or he can give a summary of the law. Now, the reality that, that Jesus was doing is that he was actually um, trying to lead the lawyer okay, by asking this question, what was really written and how do you understand what was written? So let's see in verse 27, he says, and he answered, this famous verse, we all know this, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. This is what we, you know, what we know or what is known to us as the first and the greatest commandment that God gave humanity, right? You know, I, I, I always um, actually share this with, with, uh, with the people I'm discipling or mentoring or coaching you know, I said, you know, why make yourself, your life as a Christian complicated? There's only two things. Everybody say two things. Two things. Yeah. You want to make your life simple as a Christian? Only two things. Love God. Love people. That's as simple as that. Jesus was leading him to answer this way because it's never really about you doing something to inherit eternal life. You can't. The purpose of this law is not just to know that the law, it's not just to know the law, but to know who gave the law. That was Jesus' uh, purpose in drawing this man to answer this way. And simply put, it is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing you all know about parables, right? The truth. This is the truth. This is where the parable is really hinged on. It is in the greatest commandment that God gave. This is, this is it. This is why Jesus put this parable. It's about loving God and loving, loving your neighbor as yourself. And we all know the truth that eternal life will really depend on, on you having that relationship with Jesus Christ. And guess what Jesus answers him? Okay? And the answer of Jesus was simple, but very hard to do. Look at this. In verse 28, he says, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, Jesus beats him in his own game. The intent of this lawyer, the intention of this lawyer was to trap Jesus, but guess what? It backfired on him. Jesus' response was actually asking this expert of the law, to look at every detail of the law, all 600 plus of them. And this is what Jesus is saying. All those 600 plus laws, you abide by them consistently, every day, throughout your lifetime, without failing. Now think about that. If you were given a set of rules and regulations today, you follow it to the letter and you should not fail. How many of you can do that? Nobody can. 
That's exactly the point of Jesus. That's exactly His point. You can't. No matter how much you are observing the law, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You just can't. It's about the relationship. That's why He says, Love the Lord your God. It's an impossible task. What is Jesus really trying to say? He's saying that observing the law will not let you inherit eternal life, but only through a relationship with Christ Himself. Scripture says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Because this lawyer, this expert of the law, he knows the law fully. Okay? He's trying to seek justification by his works. I'm going to do it. I'm the expert. I am also righteous, self-righteous. But it ain't going to happen, Jesus said. That's not the way. That's why, let's go back. Let's go back. It's about the relationship. Not only that, you know, Jesus also wanted to expose his sin. What was that sin? Sin of, you know, self-preservation. Sin of salvation. He was like, you know, I can save myself. So he uses this, this law, this ex, this, uh, the very law, to, to counterattack the lawyer. What happened? Of course, we all know that he got rattled. But there's something I want to share to you. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, he says, that Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become what? Conscious, Conscious of, sin. of sin. That's what Jesus was saying. You need to understand that you can't do this. You cannot inherit eternal life by observing the law. You cannot justify yourself. All you need to know that you can't because you are a sinner. That's what Jesus was saying. The expert of the law may have answered correctly by giving the summary of the biblical moral code, but he didn't get it. In fact, he does not really get it. In the following verse, he says, But he, the lawyer, desiring to what? Justify, Justify himself. There he goes again. Said to Jesus, uh, And who is my neighbor? I mean, lawyer still trying to earn his way to inherit eternal life desires to justify you know what's the meaning of justify justify means to vindicate to make it right he wanted to defend himself but no matter what he does he cannot so he, count, he countered Jesus saying so who's my neighbor he was expecting that you know Jesus would say your neighbor is a Jew just like you. No. Different. In fact, Jesus then tells a story of a Samaritan. Now, Jesus didn't say that this is a parable, but it seems like it is a parable. Let's look at the story. And this is the answer of Jesus. He tells a story to answer who is my neighbor. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know that road from Jerusalem to Jericho is what we call the Pass of Blood. 
Why? Because um, that, that is a dangerous place where all those robbers and thieves would really come and rob you and kill you. Oh, uh, by the way, trivia, do you know that Alabang, how many of you are from Alabang? We've researched that uh, many, many years back. We've, we've discovered that Alabang came from the word abang. Abangan. And we realized that this is a trade route before and abangan to na mga magnanakaw at mga ano. Actually, you know, just not in the Bible, but I just wanted to share that. Okay. <laughs> kind of similar with, with this road, okay? This pass of blood, this Jerusalem road to Jericho. And what happened? He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him, what? Half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, the priest and the Levite, they're both, you know, religious leaders. They were like temple workers. They were there. And both of them, both of them decided to pass the other side. It's as if they, they didn't see him. But the Bible says they saw but they pass the other side. You know what's, what's, what's amazing about this? It's written in Levitical code, I mean the moral Mosaic law, that it is their duty to help the poor and needy. But ironically, they did not help. So who helped? The Samaritan. In the coming verse, but a Samaritan. What is a Samaritan? Samaritan basically is a mixed race. Okay, if you are, if you are a uh, Samaritan, you're um, you're Tisoy, mestizo. Okay, you're half Jew and half um, Syrian, I guess. You're mixed blood. What happened was in the olden days they intermarried. When the northern and southern kingdom there was an intermarriage and they actually became uh, idolaters. So the Jewish community, the Jewish people, Israel, didn't want to do anything about this Samaritan. Samaritan, for them, they are unclean. And vice versa, the Samaritans hated also the Jews. There was bitter rivalry going there throughout the ages. Why? Because when the Jewish people would you know, rebuild the temple of, of Solomon, guess what happened? These, these Samaritans would come and they will offer a chicken. They'd, bull, they'd sacrifice animal blood and stain the, the foundations. And then the Jewish community were so angered about it, so they were in conflict all the time. But think about this. Jesus puts an unlikely hero, a Samaritan, an enemy of the Jewish community. They hated him with passion. So culturally, think about this. A Samaritan cannot help a Jew. And a Jew cannot help a Samaritan. But yet Jesus <laughs> talks about a Samaritan who helps. What else did he do? In verse 35, it says, And the next day, he took out two denarii, that's about a day's wage, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I what? Will repay when I come back. You know, the Samaritan was moved with compassion. He acted upon his compassion by risking his life. 
Think about it. If you see a half-dead person on the road, it probably, probably, the ones that committed the crime are still around. So if he helps out, then he could actually be risking his life. But it didn't matter to the Samaritan. He just saw that there was a need. Filled with compassion, he just went there, risking his life. He stopped in that dangerous road, and he went out of his way to give him physical, medical, and financial help. That's what he did. So what Jesus was trying to say in this story to the lawyer, he was saying that, you know, do you really want to know what it really means who is your neighbor? Or do you really want to know what it really means to love your neighbor as yourself? He talks about this Samaritan. If there's anybody in this world that you need to get a lesson from, you've got to get this lesson from this Samaritan. Why? He's your enemy. You hate him. He hates you. But nonetheless, he stops. He risks his life. Offers everything. He acted on this com- his compassion. In other words, he had real compassion. Not just the compassion, compassion, but the real compassion. You see, real compassion is not limited to who you know. It's not limited to who you know. Why? Because it is quite easy to help others you really know, right? But what if the, the person that, that you see out there is not that person that you know? Are we still willing? Do we still have that compassion? Real compassion is also not limited in our circumstance. It's not. You only help when they, they deserve my help. No, no, no. I don't think he, he's still okay. He's still breathing. He doesn't need my help. Now remember, love your neighbor as yourself. How would you want to be loved? How would you want to be treated? Do you have to wait until you're almost dead, destitute, and all gone before help would come? No, right? You would want help even, even now. How many of you need help today? Is exactly what the point. Real compassion is not limited on how much you can afford. Uh, I can't afford that yet. You know, I've got to do this. You know, I cannot. It's not who we are. It's not being Christ-like. You know, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 32 to 36, He says, But I say to you, hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Verse 34 says that, And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil be merciful even as your father is merciful real compassion 
does not look at the who, the when, the circumstance, the how much. That's not. That's, real compassion does not look at that. Guess what? Your enemy too is your neighbor. Our enemy. You have enemies? Right. All right. Let's leave it at that. You know, Jonathan Edwards, one of our you know, founding fathers in church history, he said in a sermon, Duty of Charity to the Poor, he singled out people who don't help the poor because they have nothing to spare. He points out the Good Samaritan teaches us that loving others entails risk and sacrifice. He says, How is that rule fulfilled of bearing one another's burdens if we are never obliged to relieve others' burdens, but not only when we can do it without burdening ourselves, then how do we bear our neighbor's burdens when we bear no burden at all? If it's not heavy on you when you help, then that's not helping at all. Because it does not burden you. Jonathan Edwards was saying, you know, referring to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Bear one another's burdens. And what happens? If you do, you fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, real compassion will cause you to act, sacrifice at your own expense. That is real compassion. And this is what Christians do. We show real compassion. Amen? So let's continue as we land this in verse 36. Which of these three, this is Jesus now saying, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And here comes the twist of the story. Jesus gives back that same question to the lawyer. Who is my neighbor? He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Who among the three was the real neighbor? So the lawyer could not even mention the name, the Samaritan. What does he mention? The one who showed mercy. You know, in summary... I'd like to share what Pastor Ryan... You all know Pastor Ryan? In the last uh, few days ago, we were just discussing about this study. And he kind of hit it in the nail when we were, we were talking about this main point. What's our main point? What's our main point? And then he was able to give us... And I quote from him. And I want to quote this, okay? So it's, it's, it's recorded, Pastor Ryan. This comes from you. But I want you to think about this, what he said. He said, and this is the main point, he said, being a good Samaritan does not give you eternal life. But having eternal life makes you a good Samaritan. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. We show compassion. Amen. We cannot just stay focused and love the Lord, worship Him, do Bible studies, do groups. And miss out on helping others. And you know, 
I don't know if you're looking at my shirt and probably you're wondering, why is Pastor Saul not wearing any polo or collared shirt? Well, um, this is about real life. And it dawned to us as a church, as a movement, that, you know, we're so gung-ho with, go and make disciples of all nations. We were like gung-ho. We like that. But somebody spoke to us, you know, if, if victory was long gone, will the community still remember victory? And we were stunned. And we said, oh, no. I mean, we're here enjoying worship. We're here in this nice air-conditioned room, but yet missing half of the Great Commission. That's why we want to we wanna share this. this uh, what we're doing as a church is called Real Life. Okay? It's a foundation that helps our, you know, not so, not so um, unable uh, students, young students. We help them out with their school. There's a scholarship program many years back that we've decided that this is our social responsibility. Of course, we also do social responsibility like when the typhoon hits, we're there in Yolanda, we help that. We do that. Okay, there has to be that social responsibility. We do this, okay, we do real life, not just to give, you know, give uh, money and support. No, 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 no. That's not yet. That's only half, remember? Half is also preaching the gospel, right? Again, that's only half. They have to feel the gospel. And that's what we've been doing through this foundation called Real Life. When we started out Real Life in 2007 by Doc Joey, who's our pastor now in Brunei, to this day, okay, to this day, we have 341 university and vocational graduates. Amen. We have, we are able to help 341 families, and that's been great. And Alabang alone, we already have in existence. We have 12 scholars right now, and this is actually now putting the gospel into practice, showing that real compassion for people. In fact, if you are if you are here today, you might be seeing a bookmark here. If you're if you're interested. In knowing more about real life, please fill this up and just give this to our ushers or the concierge before we leave this place. Amen? Amen? Or if you're not yet sure, bring this home. Okay? It's, it's free. <laughs> it's a bookmark. You can pray for our scholars. But if you think you can help our scholars help reach this nation through you know, giving proper education to our, to our Filipino people. Amen? So get this and get that and you know write them and give it before we leave. As I end, as I end tonight, you know, we're talking about the Good Samaritan. Really, the Good Samaritan points us to the Great Samaritan. Jesus Christ Himself. You know, the twist of that story is just amazing. Jesus could have asked the, you know, instead of the the Samaritan being the hero, he could have asked the, the Jew to be the hero of the story, right? He could have said, you know, one day a Jew saw the Samaritan. It would have been easier, right? But guess what? Jesus knew that if, if no, matter, no matter 
what the case may be, a Jew will not help a Samaritan. So what does he do? He reverses the role. He puts the Jew, just like this lawyer, just like you. He says, you were the one that got robbed. You were the one got beaten. You were left half dead. And the enemy, the person that you don't like most, was the very person that came to help. The, the enemy of your life, the enemy of your soul. Good Samaritan came. Didn't think about, you know, the truth is, the Samaritan could not do anything. I mean, the Samaritan shouldn't do anything because we're enemies, right? But no, he disregarded that block. Kind of like Jesus. He was rejected by us. Put yourself in the Jewish position. You're the one that got robbed. You were the one that got mugged. And Jesus does not care. Even if you don't care about Him, even if He's your enemy, He came. Still, risking His life. Not, not just risking His life. It cost Him His life. But He gave it anyway. And the twist of that really shows the gospel that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And if you just believe, you will inherit eternal life. So I'd like to take this opportunity and everybody just, you know, close their eyes, bow down their heads. Maybe you are the guy. You are the woman that was running away from God, that was saying, God, you're my enemy. I don't like you. But yet, he decides to say, my son, my daughter, I don't care. I don't care what you've done to me. But what I care about is I want to help you. I want to mend those wounds of yours. If you've been spiritually dead, like that man, a half-dead person, let the good Samaritan, the great Samaritan, come to your life today. Say, Jesus, you're right. I'm going to let you help me. I'm not going to wriggle my way out this time. I'm going to ask you to come to my life and help me. If that is you, would you lift up your hand? Yes, I see those hands. Yes, lift it up. Yes, I, saw, I see those hands. Anybody else? Lift them up. Lord, I want you now. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Anybody else? Go ahead, just lift it up. Don't put it down. Lift it up. Lift it up. Alright. I don't mean to embarrass you, but if you're saying... Great Samaritan, Lord Jesus, I need you now. I want you to stand and I want you to pray with me. Amen? Can you just stand slowly? Just can you give them a big hand? Come on, stand if you want, if you want to receive Him right now. It's okay. There's no shame. It's okay. Yeah. Praise God. Can you just come forward just a little more? Come on, just come forward. Can you give them a big hand? Just encourage them. Come on. I want to pray for you. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to pray for anybody. I want you to stand right now. I want you to stretch out your arms to them. And let's just pray for them. You know, I know there's somebody else who wants that, you know, who wants a good Samaritan. Come on. It's time. Come on. Come on over. Come on over. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
want you to repeat this prayer after me, okay? All right. Pray this prayer with me. Say this, Heavenly Father, I come before you a sinner needing you, a Savior. Lord, I know that I have sinned against you and have been running away from you. Just like the Jew left half dead, I know that I am half dead. I am spiritually dead and dry. So I ask, Lord Jesus, be the great Samaritan to come and heal me, mend my wounds, forgive me, and restore me back to what you have envisioned me to be. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead and now I have received eternal life and forgiveness of my sin. From this day on, I will turn away from all my sin and follow you, Lord Jesus, my good Samaritan for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. I will just pray for you before I go. Lord, not yet. Lord, thank you for these men and women who are standing before me. Thank you, Lord God, that it's a new life, a new season for them. Lord, would you bless them, Lord God, with this relationship, a loving relationship with you. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. What the enemy has meant for evil, you really have used it for your good. Lord, thank you, God, that goodness and mercy will follow them for the rest of their lives. Bless them, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.